0: In this country, we believe that there should be freedom for all, even though not all of us believe it. Join Tom and Chase as they explore politics, economics, and everything else that threatens your individual liberty. This is the Free For All podcast.
1: We are live,
0: Free For All episode sixteen. Welcome back for another episode of the Free For All podcast, guys. As always, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate everybody that continues to listen and support. Uh, listen to us and support us please remember that the show is available wherever you guys listen to your podcasts whether that is youtube spotify google play or on apple podcasts also remember to like and subscribe to the show as well as our socials to keep up to date with the latest on the show and what's been going on with us uh, we're on instagram at free for all podcast and on twitter at ffa podcast 1776
1: all right guys so uh we apologize this week we're a couple days late uh some things popped up uh some personal things popped up in uh our lives and we we couldn't really start recording till sunday but we'll try to get this out as soon as possible but uh thank you guys um so the the big news this week was obviously the derek chauvin trial um i i put that in the name of the video but yeah. So this is one of those things where you know, the George Floyd incident was obviously a huge, big, big deal last year. It sparked all the uh, BLM protests and all that other stuff coming back and really coming uh, center stage again. And uh, they finally came out with the uh, the jury's decision on April 20th, actually, and they decided to convict Derek Chauvin for for uh, three things, and it, it was everything that they decided to put him on trial for. It was second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and um, second-degree manslaughter, I believe. I'm not a big legal expert or whatever, so I actually decided to go and read an article from uh, Star Tribune. It's by Rochelle Olson, and she broke down the, the charges, and I'll, I'll give a link in the description but I, I basically just wanted to go down the, the list of charges that I, I just described and talk about some of what Chauvin was charged with. So uh, let's get to it. The first thing was second degree murder. And basically, what the article says is for conviction of second degree unintentional murder, the state's prosecutors must show beyond a reasonable doubt that Chauvin caused Floyd's death while assaulting him. This is the most serious charge and carries a presumed sentence in this case of 12 and a half years, according to state sentencing guidelines, and that's the state of Minnesota. However, prosecutors have said they plan to seek an aggravated sentence for Chauvin above the recommended guidelines because of the, quote, particular cruelty, end quote, shown to Floyd. What will not be an issue, though, is whether Chauvin intended to kill Floyd. None of the charges require prosecutors to prove the former officer was trying to kill him. So the second charge that was levied and uh, that Chauvin's been convicted of is uh, third degree murder. And third degree murder requires prosecutors to prove that someone caused the death of another, quote, by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life, end quote. Legal experts note that the definition of a depraved mind is murky. As is the legal line between depraved mind and the culpable negligence standard for manslaughter. The article then talks about how um, third-degree murder has pretty much conventionally been used to prosecute drug dealers who sold dangerous products. And you know, this is a special thing because you don't you don't really plan on killing anyone specific. You're just killing somebody, and it's as a result of your actions, um, which which are obviously negligent and. So based upon this uh, convention of what third-degree murder has been used for, uh, Judge Cahill on the case, uh, he he dismissed the third-degree murder charge at the beginning of the trial, um, but a lot of stuff went on with the appellate courts, and uh, the prosecution wanted to reinstate it but failed to do so, but the appellate court recommended that the charge be reinstated, and a lot of stuff went on, but... Um, Basically, they, they brought back the third degree murder charge. Um, this is because in 2019, uh, there was another case where a Minnesota cop shot a woman because, uh, I, I don't know why sh- he shot her, but, uh, apparently she had called 911 about some sexual abuse in a back alley or something near her house. And the police came to respond and they shot the woman who called the police about the, uh, the incident. So apparently, that set a precedent to where you can be charged for third degree murder even if you know who you kill. Um, so, I, so that so that's what changed it, and so third degree murder was back on the table, and he eventually got charged with that. Um, and then the last charge, or last thing he was charged with, sorry, is second degree manslaughter. So. Uh, The article says, in order to convict Chauvin of second-degree manslaughter, prosecutors must show beyond a reasonable doubt that he was culpably negligent and took an unreasonable risk with Floyd's life when he restrained him, and that his actions put Floyd at risk of death or great harm. Prosecutors do not have to prove that Chauvin's actions intended to cause Floyd's death, only that his actions put Floyd at risk of death or great bodily harm. The charge carries a presumptive sentence of four years. And that's all I wanted to read with the article. But that's a lot to take in. Um, My first reaction to this is when you're reading down the charges and what they're trying to prove about him, um, that we're already seeing the narrative of BLM and the liberals get thrown under the bus. So they have this idea of ACAB, ACAB, whatever. All cops are bastards. Um, Or even that Chauvin intentionally killed Floyd, you know, because of his color of his skin or whatever. And none of this is addressed with the convictions. None of the convictions have to prove that. um,
0: None of the convictions have to prove that it was racially motivated or that it was motivated to begin with.
1: Well, it. And I'm just reading back at it now. Now that charges require prosecutors prove the former officer was trying to kill him. So it's all contrary to what BLM was saying the whole time that he was targeting him because he's black, or he was more uh, negligent. And he, you know, they, you know, people die in cops' hands because they're black. So that that that's kind of backwards. So that's what I saw. And this is just being painted as a victory. In terms of BLM, everybody's like, yes, Derek Chauvin's getting, he's guilty, he's going to jail, all this other stuff, but um, the, the he won't even go to jail for his entire life, it looks like, well, depending on how he lives, and I just thought that was ironic, um, but I'm no legal expert or, like, a fan of Chauvin or anything, but it seems like the convictions are kind of overlapping, so... Uh, all three guilty charges state that Chauvin killed Floyd with unnecessary force, whether or not he meant to or whatever. Another thing is I talked a second ago about the 2019 precedent case when it came to third degree murder in Minnesota. Uh, the fact that the case set a precedent like that kind of means that the whole definition of third degree murder is changed. Well, at least like in Minnesota, that's what that that's a whole system of common law and precedents. That we have in the united states and the charge of third degree murder was essentially created for a specific situation uh that's you know that's why it's a completely different thing where the kill- killing is supposedly non-discriminate because like if you sell drugs and you're killing somebody that you don't know you can't potentially discriminate against somebody but now it's being used for a case where the whole argument is that the killing was discriminant and targeted towards george floyd because of his skin color so i i, I they're, they're like flipping the, the whole uh, meaning of third-degree murder on its head, kind of. I'm, then, like I said, I'm not a legal expert, but I would like uh, an, an informed opinion about that. But, um, and the last thing that, that stood out to me is, so the, the prosecution, from what I was reading, was trying as hard as they could to tell the jurors to just base their judgment off the video. So that obviously disregards any other evidence like toxicology or autopsy that might be useful. And obviously that's tactical to win the case and, you know, you're going to do what you can to win. That's the point of being a lawyer, but that, that just doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like it's being, uh, objective and impartial.
0: Well, yeah. And just personally speaking, I don't think this trial should have really happened in the same city where George Floyd was actually killed, especially with how high profile the case became because there then becomes a breach sort of in the, uh, in In the impartialness of the case uh to the defendant, obviously Derek Chauvin, in which the majority of the people on the jury were going to be heavily swayed by the threat of of the general public if they didn't comply or reach the verdict that they wanted it's it it would sort of be like putting Hitler on trial had he not killed himself at Auschwitz and having a jury of Jews be the ones who are deciding his fate. like his fate was decided well before the trial had even started um it was just a formality for the publicity the trial was in no way impartial whatsoever and even more to this point they've since uh done interviews with alternate jurors in the trial who claimed that they didn't want any more rioting or looting of businesses to occur and that they were afraid as to what would happen if they didn't reach a completely guilty verdict um which makes makes us kind of wonder because again like I said these are alternate jurors it makes us wonder whether the other jurors um who were the actual ones present during the trial um shared the same sort of sentiment or s- shared the same concerns as these alternate jurors did because almost all the alternate jurors that they've interviewed had the same sort of uh the same sort of opinion that they were afraid of what the public backlash was going to be if they didn't reach a completely guilty verdict yeah, and even if you recuse
1: yourself, it's almost like that person's probably still going to come under, probably still going to get backlash just because they recuse themselves. It's almost like when you you know, don't post the black square on your Instagram, you're, you're automatically racist. But um, you're like, you're saying like Chauvin's fate is was already decided before the trial. Um, so I guess he, like we've said, we live in Orlando, I guess he had a
0: house. Yeah, he's got a house. Yeah, he's got a house. Uh, I'm trying to think it's I think it's, I want to say it's over in Summerport. It's somewhere in Windermere, Florida,
1: which is a a richer community, but he doesn't have a. I don't I mean, there's there's all types of it's 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 probably like a middle class home, but basically it was um, it was like as soon as the George Floyd thing happened, people were like, oh, this cop has a house in Windermere. We're going to go and completely trash it. So they completely vandalize his home. And I imagine they probably stole shit from it too, but
0: yeah, they broke in and they spray painted the crap out of the outside walls and stuff like that.
1: And it's, it's like, it's, it's this thing to where he's not guilty yet. He hasn't even been on trial, whether or not he looks bad. uh, You know, that, that, that sucks. If, if we all thought the video looked bad of him, nobody was defending him uh, based upon the video. But basically this is a thing to where, the mob has essentially called him guilty, and he's he's preemptively guilty, and then they're just already handing out a sentence, which is in this case vandalizing your home
0: well in C2, the other thing that I'd probably want to bring up is the fact that so this was I want to say back back in January or maybe even later last year, um, chauvin had already basically agreed to plead guilty to third degree murder um he told the uh he told the judge and the attorney general in Minnesota that he would plead guilty um if they dropped the other two charges and they told him uh basically to go screw himself and that they were going to put it on trial no matter what because the the trial or the um the case was too high profile to not have a public trial and that if he uh plea bargained out of having a trial that the public was going to be angry and that it was going to incite more violence and more looting Uh, more rioting. So it's almost like his fate definitely was decided way before this trial even began because he, he read the writing on the wall and was willing to plead guilty to one of the charges, like immediately straight out of the gate. He knew he wasn't going to get off scot-free and he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to be able uh, to be a free man anymore. He knew he was going to serve time, but then it, it was then up to him to, uh, pick and choose which charges, if any, he wanted to plead guilty to to avoid a trial. It's just the trial was never going to be avoided in the first place because of how uh how he's been turned into a poster boy for the Black Lives Matter movement. There's absolutely no way there wasn't going to be a public trial.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how they think that making it a public trial is going to all of a sudden make it a more fair trial. If anything. Um, and we'll explore this a little more here in a second, it makes it a less fair trial because you're bringing in all these outside influences and stuff. But um, that's that's interesting you say that he he um, he pled guilty to third-degree murder because, like I was saying before, I didn't really know that, but like I was saying before, they tried to pull away the third-degree charge and then they reinstated it. So maybe they pulled it away because he pled guilty to try to get I, I don't know. This is just kind of uh, this is just kind of conspiratorial, but um, you guys can kind of connect the dots on that one.
0: Well, and then what about Maxine Waters?
1: Yeah, so that that's what I wanted to get into. So, um, so all, all during this trial, or like right before the jury came to the decision, um, uh, well, I, I don't know. Sometime in the last few weeks, uh, she was making the threat. Uh, you know, getting up in a speech saying. I hope we get a verdict that says guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we've got to stay on the street. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. Which is obviously a call for violence, confrontation. Well, not obvious. It's call for uh, just any sort of discourse. But um, th- the, judge, the judge reacted to this, and he, he made a statement in the court about the claims of Waters saying that, you know, obviously this is terrible to do, and most likely will get the case thrown out. So like I said about this being asked backwards, but uh, this is with good reason because in this circumstance, even if Chauvin's completely innocent, I'd be scared for my life. Like, like you were hinting out before, I'd be scared of my life for to vote not guilty if I was a juror. But unfortunately, I think the precedent of politicians intimidating people, intimidating jurors and uh, making public statements like that is not really going to end because she got what she wanted out of it. She got the conviction. Um, at least initially she got what she wanted out of it. If he gets uh, the trial thrown out or uh, I don't know what else would happen, it's it's just going to be even more of a shit show. But um, the terrible thing in all this is that all of the jurors' names will eventually be released whenever the judge deems it safe to do so. So like I said, there's no hiding from how you vote. Um, especially when all these cases are really pumped up by the media and, you know, on national TV every day, and then they're actively trying to egg on both sides. I, I don't know what they're going to do in the future with all these high profile cases, um, with these national politicians stoking violence. Will it ever even be safe to release their names? Like in this case, obviously the case was guilty, but what about in the future jurors who decide to stand against what the politicians want do they deserve to to have their names exposed and uh to have all these angry mobs at their door and and pretty much die that's pretty much telling him you deserve to die because you're going to have all these people that want to kill you they're going to have all these people at your throat constantly just because you voted one way in a jury decision and who knows if that might infe- affect your employment later on or or whatever but Um, you know, wouldn't a politician saying, you know, making all these veiled threats against these jurors, if they don't convict somebody, wouldn't that be almost like third degree murder for the politician at that point? I don't know. See, Maxine Waters, she's got this problem. This, this really isn't her first time. It definitely not her first time making overt threats for political gains. Um, see in 2018, just few years ago. People don't have a memory. Uh, she encouraged people to harass members of the Trump administration. She was saying, uh, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gas station, you get out and you create a crowd and you tell them they're not welcome anymore. And that's exactly what was happening. It was happening to members of the NRA, members of the Trump administration, etc. just getting constantly harassed. Uh, people throwing milkshakes at them and shit. You know, but even in the 1990s, uh, when she first got put into Congress, she refused to condemn the L.A. riots. You know, she's from California. She refused to condemn the L.A. riots and tell her citizens to stay inside. Well, at the same time, identifying what was going on in the streets as an insurrection. So she's basically not condemning the insurrection that she says is happening. Meanwhile, or not meanwhile, but later on in 2021. When the whole Capitol riot happened, like we talked about in our, our one of our first episodes, uh, she gladly went after Trump for supposed insurrection when he didn't even really condone violence. He just said, get up there, uh, make a stand, whatever. But she, Maxine Waters identifies something as an insurrection, and she can't even speak out against that.
0: Her outbursts are really the only real proof that anybody needs to cite in order to prove that this trial was all just a publicity stunt. The state has basically mm-hmm. said to us that they have no real plan to address the widespread problem of police brutality because uh, the state believes that it was an isolated incident and uh, if he was convicted, the rioting would stop and the people would be appeased. Um, that's really all this comes down to is the mm-hmm. fact that it was a huge publicity stunt and the public bought it.
1: Oh, yeah. And we're going to get into. Yeah, just a second. I'll get into a little more of that. but. uh they're not changing any policy, like we like we talked about previously. They're not changing any policy. They're just trying to trying to bring publicity to this, and uh, like you see, this one of the BLM founders like buying three mansions or whatever, or buying this three and a half million dollar mansion. I'm sorry, and you're like, are these people actually doing anything, moving anywhere? Like they they endorse Biden and Harris, and then Biden and Harris turn their back on them, don't do anything. You know, they're not talking about increasing the penalties for police officers or increasing uh uh finding out ways that we can better police our communities besides abolishing them completely that's all they want to say it's either abolish them completely or just get these little court victories that are nationally publicized so they look big but it's it's all just like you said it's all just appeasing the people and they're not actually doing anything but um speaking of not getting anywhere at the end of this the uh, Minnesota attorney the, the Minnesota attorney general Keith Ellison said that the Chauvin conviction is not a cause for celebration. He also said it's sad, very sad, and that one man's dead and another man's going to prison for a long time. And that's basically my takeaway from it. And Chase and I share an opinion that is quite rare and that we think both BLM and Back the Blue are retarded and that's not just figuratively, but literally, uh, you know, the sense of the word retarded, Uh, nothing positive comes out of this trial. And obviously BLM adopted the George Floyd death to push their narrative. Um, And even Nancy Pelosi had a a Freudian slip uh, this past week when she said Floyd, quote, sacrifices life. And for what? Just, just, you know, no policy changes. Like we said, a, a trial that's probably going to get thrown out, and it always seems like they choose the weakest cases to defend. And this man was high out of his mind on three or four drugs. If you look at the toxicology report, it it lists like uh, meth and fentanyl and shit like that. And if you look at the security camera footage of him minutes before he died inside that gas station, I believe where he tried to spend the fake twenty dollar bill, he's standing behind somebody in line. And he's like, he looks so tweaked out. He's dancing around, doing God knows what. He can't stand still, even if he tried, it looks like. And, you know, he had a lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. He was previously a violent criminal. Uh, I guess he put a loaded gun to a lady's, a pregnant lady's stomach uh, when robbing her previously. And this is who everybody wants to paint an angelic mural of and post all these uh these these pictures of and make george floyd square and all this other shit now where they want to where they want to worship him basically and like i said these are all it, it it almost seems like they always pick the worst cases to defend like um what was the one in missouri where the guy was like running at the cop and they were trying to say he wasn't attacking him like that was a few years ago that was terrible and it BLM really adopted that and got on with that. and uh that was just another it, it, it's it's stupid. It's, it's like they almost designed it to be this way, and they take the real gripes that the minority communities may have with cops, um, you know, maybe getting uh, stop and frisk or whatever, or um, disproportionately getting affected by drug laws and stuff like that. You know, you take these real gripes that they have. And what you do is you bastardize them by saying, you either have to support George Floyd or you hate black lives. And like we said, George Floyd isn't a good person. So, uh, you know, what this obviously does is it turns off any individual thinkers who, you know, people like us who have any sort of IQ And we're like, whoa, you know, you shouldn't be praising this guy. Like, obviously, he might have died for a wrong reason or whatever, but he wasn't a good guy. And you shouldn't be posting, you know, angelic pictures of him, basically. And it's so obvious that both sides think the other side is stupid or is racist or is retarded or whatever. And it's pretty much manufactured division because, you know, like I said, One side thinks the other side is a bunch of racists because they can't do the simple task of posting a black square in solidarity or just saying a black lives matter instead of all lives matter. And then the other side thinks that the left wants every city to basically be like Chaz and have no police and shit in the streets and people doing drugs everywhere. And it's like they think there's no in between or there's no other solution. But. It's so stupid because in reality, almost nobody thinks this way. Almost nobody thinks we should have places like Chaz, where they you know, have this anarcho communist utopia of no guns and no police, when in reality, uh, even they had a warlord drug dealer takeover. And then obviously, nobody else realistically thinks that somebody's racist because they don't post something on their story. That's just kind of stupid, but that's what the media boils it down to and says you either ha- have to hop on one bandwagon or another um and obviously it's the media and whoever controls them determining what the dichotomy of opinion is that's just what you're allowed to think if you're in the mainstream if you don't think for yourself and that's what's called the overton window and tom woods a uh the great tom woods a podcaster says that um he he refers us to as the uh, three by five card of allowable opinion and that's just That's basically what it's limited to because all political discourse just seems to be the same five topics and you're either all for it or all against it. It's like paint this picture that the Republicans are all for one thing. The Democrats are all for another thing when in reality they agree on 75% of things, but nobody ever talks about those things.
0: Yeah. And I made a, uh, right when the, so the day that Chauvin was convicted, I made a uh, three post series on my Instagram story that day. Um, that I kind of wanted to, to reiterate. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback from it. A lot of people that were even celebrating the conviction told me that they hadn't thought about it the way that I po- the, the way that I post a lot of these questions and, and facts. But um, basically, the, so the first thing I wanted to reiterate is that the case shouldn't be celebrated for several reasons because one, the state pulled a publicity stunt, as I had mentioned before, and the general public fell for it. This this entire trial was for publicity purposes. It wasn't it wasn't to convict anybody because he was convicted before he set foot in the courtroom Um, Two, BLM. And most of these other people who were cheering believe that Chauvin will be getting the max sentence for each charge when in reality, because it's his first and only criminal offense, he'll likely get 12 to 15 years total for everything. Um, And then the state will quietly let him out on parole in 10 years when everybody's forgotten his name, like they do with everybody else. And they'll give him a new identity so that he can't be found. This was uh, something that, so I don't know if anybody else is familiar. This case was actually in Florida, um, but the Casey Anthony case back in the early 2000s, Casey Anthony basically was found not guilty on all of the charges. And uh, she basically had to change her identity and completely move out of the country. Uh, because of how polarized that made the entire state of Florida towards her. Um, But anyway, back to what I was talking about. Um, He'll get let off on parole in in 10 years or whatever when everybody's forgotten his name. Um, He's not going to serve the totality of whatever sentence he gets, that's for sure. Um, Three, the prosecution or the state at this point, um, at the beginning of the trial, said that they were pro-police and that Chauvin was just a bad apple, which basically proves that they don't believe the problem extends further than Derek Chauvin. They believe it was just an isolated incident and that Chauvin was the only bad apple that exists, and they see absolutely no problem with the way the policing is done at this point. Um, So... Back the blue is moronic because you're voicing support for a state agency that routinely violates your rights and enforces unconstitutional laws passed by the government. That's for you know all the conservatives that listen to us. Um, and then BLM is also moronic in the same you know the same standpoint because they think that their race somehow excuses them from following any laws and that. Uh, if they're shot by the police for not following the laws, it's because of racism and not statism. People forget that y- you and I, we gave the police the power that they have, and everybody is now mad that they're using it, using it against people. Or uh, BLM specifically is mad that they're that it's quote unquote being used against them uh, disproportionately. And it's all to perpetuate a race war that the government knows the media is going to continue to cover. Like, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, as long as the media continues to cover it, the government is going to continue feeding that narrative because they know that everybody is so hyper-focused on racism that they're we're all too busy fighting each other instead of fighting them. And so it takes the blame off of them for using that state entity to enforce unconstitutional laws to use violence against its citizens, uh, nobody is focused on that. Instead, everybody is focused on who's racist and who isn't. Um, And so the state routinely uses force on everybody. It's not just black people. And the state and the media just make you believe that it's one sided to perpetuate that race war and to keep us hyper focused on racism, which isn't the true cause of the problem. In reality, the true cause of the problem is statism in the issue of government abuse of power. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people misconstrue cases like this is because they're correctly mad at the fact that this whole incident shouldn't have occurred, but they choose to place blame on the incorrect entities. Like I was, I was talking to a couple of my other friends and I was telling them like, had had all these BLM riots occurred last summer over the death of George Floyd and had they correctly targeted state institutions with their anger. So, you know, like if they had gone and looted or burned police stations or something like that, like I probably wouldn't have liked it, but I definitely wouldn't have denounced it because at that point you're taking out your anger on the correct entity, um, where I drew the line was the fact that they started to drag innocent civilians, innocent businesses and uh, people into their anger or whatever. And that's who they were targeting. And that's where I draw the line because those people had absolutely nothing to do with George Floyd's death. You are only correct and only justified if you're targeting the aggressors and the people that are wronging you. When you start to direct that anger at innocent people you lose all credibility in your cause and so the government understands this and that's why they per- perpetuate this race narrative because they know that it will deflect blame to another entity that is not them um and when that happens everybody is going to be too busy trying to loot a target or uh burn down a Gucci store uh, than to go and place blame on them and um, try to get the government to take accountability for what their own police forces and their um, this arm of the state that they have to enforce their laws. Uh, the government will not take responsibility for it because they know that we're too busy doing other stuff and being mad at people that aren't them.
1: Well, and you know, you talk about they should be mad at the government and the government in this circumstance in this circumstance in Minnesota and then also uh the the president and the vice president Kamala Harris who let their opinion be known by calling the Floyd family they're all democrat you know these people aren't angry at the right people they are by and large these minorities are still going to vote i'm 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 not speaking about Hispanics I'm speaking about um african americans are going to vote for democrats and you know, no, nothing's going to change because these Democrats are already in power. And, you know, p- people already elected Biden on the guys that he was going to do um, do some of this stuff to help with the whole Floyd thing. And obviously, like I said, he called their family. He said, oh, they made the right decision whenever they convicted Floyd. But that's where it stops. It stops at at You praising. mean convicted
0: Chauvin. I'm,
1: I'm, yeah, convicted Chauvin. So that's where it stops is it stops at at just just saying things stops at just just word of mouth it's not actual action it's all all uh bark and no bite really um with this with this fighting racism thing and yeah these democrats aren't doing anything about police brutality but that's all they want to talk about ever and that's all their voters want to talk about and it's like why the hell are you voting for them
0: yeah and then we had um obviously i feel like everybody has seen the video. The video by now but um the police involved shooting with of uh makia bryant the teenager i can't remember what state this was in but um this younger black lady had a uh, a fairly large knife at the throat of i guess supposedly it was one of her friends or whatever she was angry at her had this very very large knife and was yelling and screaming and obviously this whole video is, is cop body camera footage. And you can see at one point that she has this knife pulled all the way back. Like she's getting ready to stab this girl and the cop shoots her four times and ends up killing her. And of course, resident basketball player and, and dumbass LeBron James tweets one word accountability in response to that incident. Um, or actually it wasn't really even one word. He, he said your next hashtag accountability with a photo of the cop that shot that girl. Jeez. And it's like, at that point you're, you're literally defending a would be murderer. Like you literally watched her cock back with that knife. Like she was about to stab this girl. And you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me that the cop wasn't justified in doing what he did because uh, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and defend police. I've, I've discussed this many times. Like I, I, I am ...of the belief that they are a state entity that is unconstitutional and and enforces unconstitutional laws. However, I'm not above uh, recognizing when use of force is necessary. And the fact that um, if he had not used force and he simply sat back and watched this girl go to town on the other girl with a knife... ...and stab her repeatedly and potentially slit her throat and kill her... um, everybody would have been mad too because the Mm -hmm. cops out there and did absolutely nothing. So it's like at that point, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to kick back and watch the other girl murder the girl? Or would you like him to take action and potentially save one of their lives? Because that's exactly what he did. He saved this other girl from being stabbed. And I'm sure she's pretty grateful that she wasn't stabbed to death. Um, But you know, these are the kinds of tweets that we, that we see from celebrities and morons that feel the need to put their two cents in on everything when in reality they they 're completely uneducated and know absolutely nothing um, it just shows their ignorance and their willingness to perpetuate this race narrative that shouldn 't exist in the first place um, and what we wanted to talk or uh, we 're not really going to go too deep into it, but we just wanted to point out the hypocrisy like lebron james and everything you know the nba does business with china you know i wonder if he feels the same way about the chinese communist party and xi jinping uh and their treatment of the uyghurs
1: yeah and how they basically have them in concentration camps and uh slavery right now it's, it's yeah
0: insane. it doesn't seem doesn't seem to bother lebron james or the nba that the ccp is in, enslaving the entire uh but we're the ones who think people.
1: that People's lives don't matter, I guess, when we when we got rid of slavery uh, 160 years ago or whatever. But um, so what all the leftists are saying, I don't know if this is true or not. Like you're saying that the girl was trying to girl with the knife was trying to murder. What they were saying is like the girl with the knife called 911 and then she was defending herself and she was like getting jumped by multiple people. And then she was about to stab somebody uh, in defense. And then the police showed up and shot her. Well, I mean, even if that's true, like you said, the cop's going to come under flack, whether he shoots the girl or he doesn't shoot the girl, because in that situation, somebody's probably going to die because these are all 13 year olds or like 16 year olds or whatever. And they, they they're they're all hot-headed. And, uh, you know, who, who knows when the cop's going to show up? Like we've talked about the average uh, response time of police and it's it's like eight minutes or whatever. But, you know, it, it's just a case where you can't do right by them. All right, so um, just a little bonus segment that we want to add in at the end. We 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 talked a little bit about Project Veritas on previous videos. Uh, I, I know last week we had our immigration episode, and you know they, they were some of the people that broke that story and reported on all the people in the space blankets being crammed in these facilities, and um, their their CEO and founder. Whose name is James O'Keefe? he He just got banned from Twitter, and this comes at an interesting time because recently Project Veritas had been uh, recording internal CNN conference calls, and then they released those. Uh, basically, they had a leaker inside the organization that invited them into these calls, and they listened in as uh, CNN directors were describing how they want to report on news. That's mostly from liberal outlets and uh, ignore all the stuff that's coming out of right- wing publications. so they were saying uh, papers like the New York Post are full of right-wing conspiracies and all this stuff and uh, that they would not cover anything from them. So just ignore that. And uh, we're going to focus on Washington Post or whatever uh, Bezos wants us to report on. So that was one thing that they uh, posted a few weeks ago or a few months ago. But most recently, Project Veritas posted an undercover video. um, uh, this, This one lady went and she was having drinks with this guy who's CNN's head of communications, his name's Charlie Chester, and she got him to admit uh, some very telling things while being filmed by a hidden camera. So uh, I wanted to play some of the audio from the Instagram post from Project Veritas that has a matchup of, or mashup rather, of Charlie Chester quotes, and the link will also be in the description for you guys. So we'll, uh, we'll listen to that together right now.
0: What actually happens when a network cares more about ratings than the truth? It seems that CNN has resorted to other means in order to keep you watching. COVID, gangbusters are rab- great at us, right? Gangbusters
1: are rab- great at us, right? Which is why we constantly have a death toll on the side. Let's make it higher. Like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, it would make our point better if it was higher. It's fear. Like, fear really drives numbers. Fear is the thing that keeps you too big.
0: If it bleeds, it bleeds. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Yep. No, no one ever says those things out loud, but it's obvious. There's
1: no such thing as unbiased news. I think there's like, a, in art to manipulation, it's always leading them in a direction before they even open their mouth. Listen to the way they ask questions, because they're not actually asking questions. Any reporter on oh, no. CNN, okay. what they're actually doing is they're telling the person what to say. It's an art form all right so yeah that was just uh james o'keefe bringing us into the video there and then uh what's his name Uh, charlie chester saying all those things and excuse the audio uh like i said we're gonna have the link here in the description so if you guys want to see the uh instagram video then you can and that has all the uh subtitles to it so you can better understand what he's saying but yeah so i mean that's a lot to unpack and a lot of it speaks to itself but we just kind of wanted to uh have a little back and forth about that real quick um so uh, obviously uh like we've been saying uh tragedy sells so like this guy is talking about how they talk about and put all these covid numbers on the screen for getting all these ratings and stuff like i I was saying from the beginning they're trying to trying to really uh turn this into a tragedy uh when it may or may not be in order to just get ratings they don't give a shit about america they just want to make money. They're CNN. They just want viewership that they're lacking.
0: (laughs) And I mean, I've had, I've had several people that I know who are mostly on the other side of the aisle compared to where I'm at politically. um, tell me that I'm very ignorant because I don't, I don't listen to or watch any mainstream news media outlets. Um, and this is just further proof of, of the point that I continually try and make to these people is that, the entire reason that I avoid these mainstream news media outlets is because they're all manipulative. Um, like Charlie Chester is saying, they're the end goal for all these these news media outlets is to manipulate people's uh, perspective and their thinking to a point where they're no longer thinking for themselves, but these news media outlets are doing the, the "quote unquote" thinking for them, and they're leading them down. Um, a path of understanding in which they, these people don't even know how they've arrived at the, at the conclusion that they're at because they were told to arrive at that conclusion and um, they, they have no uh, recollection of how they got there because the news media tells them they don't need to know how they got there. You just need to know that you believe this. And that's how all these mainstream news media outlets are is because their end goal is just to manipulate people to get them to the conclusion that they want. And um, it's further reason why I don't listen to any of these news media outlets because I like to think for myself and I like to look at things objectively without having um, an end game or a conclusion force-fed to me. Um, And all these sound clips and everything are just further proof that that's exactly what these mainstream news media outlets are trying to do is manipulate public discourse and uh, get everybody to kind of just think the same way. Live in an echo chamber, as we've discussed before. That's what they're trying to do, is create these echo chambers so that there's no uh, differentiation in public opinion and then everybody thinks exactly the same.
1: And that's exactly what it is, is, is it's an echo chamber. But the problem is, it's all guised as unbiased news. It's all guys as, uh, you know... We're just bringing you the raw take of what's happening in the world today, when in reality, it's, it's completely not. And Charlie Chester really hits the nail on the head with something I've been trying to articulate for a while, is that there is no such thing as unbiased news. News is always going to be inherently biased, no matter what. And even if you're just serving somebody facts, which is a lot of what CNN does, they're not always just, you know I, I don't like them, but they're not always just spewing straight bullshit. They're gonna tell you facts, but the problem is they're not gonna tell you all the facts, and nobody's ever gonna tell you all the facts, and it's not humanly possible. And that's the job of you know you as a news consumer to go and expose yourself to different opinions. But um, like I said, the problem is these news organizations uh, like NPR. Like I have family members that listen, or and friends as well that listen to NPR, listen to CNBC, CNN. They think all this stuff is objective news. And I'm telling you, no, this is liberal. I can just hear even in the tone of their voice, I can hear it's liberal. Just behind the way that they they bitch and moan about certain people compared to other people. But um you know, CNN not only does that, but like I said, they 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 leave they leave out stuff. And he goes on to say that the uh the anchors, they don't even ask people questions essentially. They just manipulate answers out of them. They ask them loaded questions or they ask them a question they know only um you know, is going to, it's going st- to uh, rise a certain answer out of you or whatever.
0: Well, it's sort of like you have to, the way that you have to think about it is so I, I took debate in high school. And so the way, the way that they teach you to debate, um, especially in terms of cross-exam and keep in mind, lawyers, lawyers utilize this tactic as well, is that they ask these leading questions. So they're not questions that are open-ended that, allow the other individual to create their own answer they ask these leading questions in which typically the answer is always either yes or no mm-hmm. and pending their answer they then uh, to the first question they then have sets of questions that they ask after that that both end up leading to the same end conclusion it's just the the method of trying to get that person to arrive at the conclusion may change a little bit based on the answer to the very first question that you pose. But they're all typically these leading questions in which um, the person posing the, the questions is going to get you to either concede points or to admit that they may have overlooked certain areas of a situation or whatever you're discussing um, in which it either discredits them entirely or they end up agreeing with your point and then you move on to the next question and then you ev- eventually lead them down the slippery slope to the conclusion that you want them to be at. And then it completely obliterates their credibility and you know who, just who they are as a person because you make them look like an idiot. That's the whole point of cross-examination in trials as well as in debate. Is to make your opponent look like an idiot that doesn't know what they're talking about, and eventually get them to uh, arrive at the same conclusion you have about whatever topic that you're discussing.
1: Yeah, and the thing too, when you're uh, when you're in the hot seat, like when you're on CNN or you're getting cross-examined, is they're firing questions at you. So you're, and like you said, they're closed-ended questions, yes or no. So if you're somebody like Trump, who is on the debate stage, uh presidential debate. And they're like, will you denounce uh proud boys, white supremacy, all this other shit. And it's just like, obviously yes, but should he feel that like if he says no, he looks bad. And if he says yes, he's admitting defeat and admitting that he was racist before. So they don't leave him space to say no, because blah, 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 blah. This is bullshit. All this other shit. Um, and like, likewise, CNN will do the same thing. So they'll just keep grilling you and trying to get the next answer out of you and uh, cutting you off. And, and by the way, uh, you know, they, they highly cut up their clips. You know, you know, At the end of the day, they're the people that are editing and putting out the video, and they're almost always framing uh, the video to look like something different if you get the unedited clip of it. I remember um, I used to listen to Alex Jones. But, uh, yeah, that was a phase, but I remember when, uh, Megan Kelly was, I think she, I don't know if she got kicked off Fox news or she moved away from Fox news. This is all during like the Trump, uh, controversy bleeding from her hoo-ha, whatever. I I forget. I think it was CNN or MSNBC. One of those networks took her in and she, she wanted to interview Alex Jones. He, He recorded the phone call where she talked on him asking for the, talked to him asking for the interview. Uh, he was like, are you going to cut up the film? Like, are you going to edit this? Are you going to try to make me look bad? She was like, no. And
0: it was NBC that took her in.
1: Okay. And and that's another one that kind of, you know, puts himself out there as non-biased. But, um, but she had the interview with him and she she cut it up. She made him look bad. It was a smear job and he took it to court. Um, And so, like, this stuff happens day in, day out. But you just got to be ready because- you know, people like him, he's smart enough to where he got a recording of her saying that she wasn't going to smear him. But I mean, like, depending on like the, uh, you know, one party consent, two party consent, depending on the state laws and wherever they're filming, you can just film whatever of whoever and cut it up. However you want, make a fucking YouTube poop out of, uh, whatever somebody's saying, saying that they want to kill their grandma. And then all of a sudden, uh, you can't do something about it almost. And, uh, people like cnn they post this stuff like uh with the nick sandman thing with the indian beat and drum in his face and all he does is smile saying he's racist they just post all these uh like i said little facts out of context they don't give you the whole picture and they do this thing that's a straight smear job and then they never go back and retract these things or if they do it's very it's very quiet it's very under the under the covers or whatever and all the emotions have already been had everybody already hates these people like i said chauvin's house was already uh pretty much destroyed before he, he even went to trial before he was probably even put in his uh It was destroyed cell. it was
0: destroyed 3 days after the incident occurred. So
1: <laughs> So yeah, that, I mean that's awful. So like I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I'm going to end with here um is the fact that journalism is called an art form for a reason. It's not because it's honest, it's not because it's truthful it's called an art form because it's the art of deception. It's the art of deceiving people and getting them to believe whatever you want them to believe based on how you frame a specific incident or or whatever it is you want to talk about. It's an art form because you're deceiving people because you are uh, you're misleading them to a conclusion that you ultimately want them to reach. Um, so it's definitely an art form, but it's not an art form that you should be appreciative of at this point. Um, it's an art form used to deceive and lie to people, and that's all it's all it's there for at this point.
1: It seems like it, uh, but who knows? I it, We're only going to have to counter it with more journalism. Can't have the uh, state come in and regulate or tell us what's good and bad, because they're just going to tell us
0: whatever they think is right. You just basically have to hope that there are enough journalists around who are still good and honest and want to actually report the truth to everybody and, uh, hope that that's what you're reading and you're not reading a bunch of BS. Yeah. But I think that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Uh, we appreciate you tuning into the episode again and yeah, peace, be easy. Have a good weekend. Thank you guys for listening.
1: Uh, have a great week and, uh, peace.
0: Listening. we hope you enjoyed this episode of the free for all podcast you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts make sure to follow and subscribe to the show and connect with us on instagram to keep up to date with all the latest content peace